Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good to see you guys. Um, yeah, as, as Jim kind of stated, it's been a little bit weird. I've been a single dad for the last three days with five kids, and it, it started out as a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> we, we were hanging out. We are having a good time on Friday. This morning, getting ready for church, it looked like a scene from Lord of the Flies in our house, so things uh, quickly digressed. But uh, I think it's, it's kind of cool this morning, because while, while I get to speak to you guys this morning, uh, my wife Julie is actually um, giving the message to our, our ladies at, um, at Ladies Retreat, so uh, kind of cool. God, God working in two different locations with our church um, this morning. But today we're going to be wrapping up this series we've been doing this summer called At the Movies, where we've been looking at these different kind of blockbuster films um, from Hollywood over the years and we've just kind of been uh, taking a look at God's word and seeing what truth from scripture can, can we kind of correlate or relate to some of the things that we've seen in, in some of these really popular, uh, popular movies. And today, the, the movie I'm going to talk about really deals a lot with relationships. So, um, you know, I really wanted to target this a lot towards our, our men today because I knew we would have more men in attendance this morning, but really it's for anyone. So if you're, you know, a man, a woman here today, if you're a teenager and you're not yet in uh, any kind of a relationship and maybe there's one down the road, you can think about relationships even with your parents and those kind of relationships. If you're single, you can think about relationships again with, you know, loved ones, with children, things like that as well. Um, but really that's kind of where we're going to go in today's message. And I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant to mention the titles of movies and messages because it can always sound like I'm endorsing a movie and telling everybody to go see a certain movie. Um, and that's not always the case. Usually there's, there's, you know, something good and worthwhile, a positive moral, a positive message that you can find in most movies. And there's usually something not so great in most movies today, whether it be, you know, bad language or violence or bad decisions, you know, foolish decisions made by people in the movie. Um, but because you're such a mature audience and we're doing an at the movie series right now, I thought I'd kind of branch out as we kind of land this series this week and look at a PG-13 movie that came out about 15 years ago. And, and this movie cost uh, $6.5 million to make, which is actually pretty low uh, for a Hollywood budget, but it wound up making... $231 million worldwide, an incredible return for that investment, okay? Um, the film also got a lot of critical acclaim. In fact, it, it won an Academy Award for Best Screenplay, but it also received a lot of criticism because it dealt with some really difficult topics, um, especially the topic of teen pregnancy. So how many of you, show of hands, have ever seen the movie Juno? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, a few of you have. All right, for the rest of you guys, um, how many of you who have not seen it plan on seeing the 15-year-old movie Juno? Raise your hand. Okay, good, not a lot of you. That's, that's good, because today I'm gonna ruin it for the rest of you guys and just spoil everything, okay? Um, just wanted to see how many emails I might get after today's message. But the story is about a teenage girl named Juno who gets pregnant, and then she has to decide what she's gonna do. And so first she goes to an abortion clinic, and as she's sitting there, she starts to process, and she says, no, no, I don't think this is the route I want to go. And she lives with her father, who's played by J.K. Simmons, one of my favorite actors, who's like awesome in it. 
and her parents apparently are divorced. So she's, she's living with her dad and her stepmom, and apparently her parents' relationship was not a good relationship. But she ultimately decides that she wants to have this baby, and she's gonna give the baby up for adoption. And she meets this really nice couple. They seem like the perfect couple. And they wanna have this baby, and she thinks this is awesome. But then, as the story continues, she gets to know the couple a little bit better. And she starts to find out that they're having all kinds of crazy marriage trouble. And in addition to all of this, her relationship with the baby's father, who wasn't really even her boyfriend, but just a friend, and he's also a child himself in high school, that's kind of a disaster. So there, there's this powerful and really tender moment that happens in the film where she finally confides in her father and she tells her dad that she's pregnant. And, and, and we're thinking, uh-oh, here it comes. I mean, he's gonna explode on her. He's gonna disown her. He might kick her out of the house. You know, we're, we're imagining the worst possible thing is gonna happen. And, and he doesn't do that at all. In fact, he's incredibly loving. He's incredibly grace-filled. And they have this very tender conversation, this really beautiful talk between father and daughter. And then Juno asks her dad this, this profound, profound question. And I think it's a question that probably every adult here has thought about. Maybe every college student, perhaps even our, our high school students have maybe either, either asked this or thought about this in their mind. And here's the question she says. Basically, she says this. She says, Dad, I, I need to know. Is it even possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? Is that even possible? In other words, Dad, as, as, I'm, as I'm looking around and I see that it didn't work out for you and Mom, that was terrible, and, and then, you know, here's this couple that I was hoping would adopt my baby, and it's not working out for them. Their relationship is toxic, and it's not working out for me and my relationships. As I look around, I'm just, I'm just wondering, is this thing called love even possible? Should, should I even have any hope of ever finding somebody and, and falling in love and being in love and staying in love forever? Dad, is that even possible? And it's such a fascinating question because what we've all seen relationally in the world would lead most of us to probably say, I don't know if it's possible. In fact, I don't think it's possible. And yet there's something in you and there's something in me that would also say, but I sure hope it's possible. I hope it's possible. And not only do we hope it's possible, we hope it's possible for us, right? We, we hope it's possible for us. We think that in spite of what I see when I look out at culture, in spite of what I saw in my parents' relationship or, or in my friends' relationships or their parents' relationships or my past relationships, you know, we still hold out a glimmer of hope that, that maybe someday, some way in a current relationship or a future relationship that I'm going to meet somebody and we're going to fall in love and we're going to stay in love forever, that our, our last days on earth, I mean, we might be at a senior facility somewhere using walkers, but we're going to walk down that hallway with walkers together, and we're going to go to the cafeteria, and we're going to feed each other jello, and we're going to hold hands under the table, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. And people are going to look at us and going to be like, wow, 
After all those years, they're still together. And they're still in love. They're not just together and miserable. They're in love. And, and we hope and we think and we dream and we pray that that might be possible for us in spite of what culture says and in spite of what we've experienced. And, and you know what that is? I think that's a little bit of the fingerprint of God in you and in me. I think that's what that is. And so our answer to the Juno question is, I don't think it's probable, but I sure hope so. I sure hope so. And I think it could, but I don't know. Now, in talking about love, there's a couple different things we need to understand. There's falling in love, and then there's staying in love. And falling in love is easy. You just have to be alive to fall in love, right? I mean, falling in love just requires a pulse. Like, you can fall in love with anyone. Some of you fell in love with people you've never met before. They were on television, and you fell in love with them. When I was growing up from elementary school through middle school, um, here are all the people that I fell in love with. This is my top 10 list of the people that Pastor AJ fell in love with growing up, starting with my first love, number one, Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins, okay? First love. Number two, Dolly Parton. Told you that a couple weeks ago. Number three for me, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. Any Wonder Woman fans out there? A couple of you, okay, all right. Number four, Catherine Bach, Daisy Duke. Anybody like Daisy Duke growing up? Love the Dukes of Hazard. okay? Had a crush on Daisy Duke, was going to marry her. Number five, Carrie Fisher. Who loves Princess Leia? Raise your hand. That's right. I know Jason does. Definitely know that, right? Number six, Amy Jo Johnson, the Pink Power Ranger. Don't laugh at me. I'm a nerd, I know, okay? But I claim that one. I claim it, all right? Number seven, Phoebe Cates in Gremlins. I remember that movie growing up. Totally crushing on Phoebe Cates. Number eight, Leah Thompson, Back to the Future. That's right. Michael J. Fox's mom had a crush on her. Number nine, just did this with my kids this weekend. We binge watch this series. Elizabeth Shue from The Karate Kid. Crushing on her. And then number 10, my middle school years, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Kelly Kapowski, Saved by the Bell, okay? That was my top 10. You probably have your own. Falling in love is easy. In fact, I knew a guy in sixth grade who told our group of friends how he was desperately in love with his cousin. We kept telling him, dude, she's your cousin. It's never going to happen, okay? Falling in love is easy. Falling in love just requires a pulse. Staying in love is more difficult. Staying in love requires a plan. I was talking with, um, with Dave Webb earlier this morning um, about some of our favorite pastors and things like that. And this is actually a quote from Pastor Andy Stanley, and I love this quote. He says, falling in love requires a pulse. But say it with me, staying in love requires a what? A plan. It requires a plan. You don't just accidentally stay in love forever. Marriage, relationships, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes a plan. And there are several reasons why staying in love is more challenging. Uh, Part of it is what you saw growing up what your experiences were in life growing up. The truth is, very few people in this world have ever grown up seeing on a regular basis healthy, romantic, 
marriage relationships. Most people never grew up in a home where their parents were on the same page and had that kind of relationship where you just saw that and you were like, wow, that's the kind of relationship that I want to be able to have with someone one day. Very few people have grown up in households like that and have seen that. If you have, you're blessed to have experienced that. So consequently, what's modeled for us oftentimes in our childhood is dysfunctional relationships. And then we adopt those same habits as adults. And here's what a lot of us grew up with. If we're being honest, here's what a lot of us experienced. Do unto others to get them to do things your way. Right? Do unto others until you wear them down enough to get your way. Do unto others, you know, uh, so that they'll give you anything that you need. Because it's all about me and what I want. And so consequently, because most of us have experienced that growing up, most of us have had that modeled for us growing up, we're just completely ill-equipped at relationships, at healthy relationships, when we become adults. The other thing that makes this difficult is what we emotionally experienced as kids growing up. And, you know, my background, again, is human development and psychology and, and, and family systems and all that kind of stuff. And there's so much research. I mean, 50 years of research in family systems that have looked at stuff like this. And psychologists have studied, you know, for decades and decades. And they've discovered that in order to be emotionally equipped to have healthy, long-term relationships, here's what it takes, okay? If you want to jot this down and see where you're at, here's what it takes to be able to have the capacity for emotionally healthy relationships as an adult. You just need to grow up in a home where you regularly and consistently got respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. Sounds like the family you grew up in, right? If not, the deck is stacked against you. Because what happens is, if we don't get a lot of those things in our childhood, we walk into adulthood looking for someone who's going to give us respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. In fact, we're so malnourished of those things that we go into a relationship starving and we're like, give me what I want. I need this. I'm so starving for this. I've got to have it because I'm coming into this relationship with a deficit. I'm so malnourished in terms of love and affection. So now I'm going to squeeze everything I possibly can out of you because you've got to meet all of my needs. And then we wonder why after a year of marriage, the romance is gone and you don't think they're so cute anymore, right? Because in terms of what's being modeled and what we felt, we're not really equipped to stay in a healthy, long-term love relationship. And then on top of all that, we have culture. We have the culture in the world we live in right now. And the message that you and I get every single day in culture from media and movies and all of those things is if you're not happy in your current relationship, you're in the wrong relationship. You chose poorly. Just re-choose. You need to get out. You need to start over. 
And if you'll just keep looking, you're going to find that perfect soulmate who's going to meet all of your needs. If you just keep moving from relationship to relationship to relationship, eventually you're going to happen to find the right person who's going to meet all your needs because it's not about working through your problems or becoming the right person yourself. It's about finding the perfect person for you. And so, if we just ended the message right here this morning, I hate to break it to you, but you may want your current relationship or your future relationship to be an enduring, passionate love relationship that lasts for a lifetime. You may want it that way, but I'm telling you, the odds are against you. The deck is stacked against you. Aren't you glad we don't close in prayer and end the message right there? That would be a great, great Sunday morning, right? Now, here's the thing. Into all that chaos that you know, most of us can relate to because we've all been hurt. We've all got our stories like Juno. We've all seen crazy parent marriages and maybe had a bad previous relationship or previous marriage. And we've all had our heart broken. Into all of that chaos, Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago. And he gives us an incredible foundation for how we might be able to actually achieve a long-term, healthy, passionate kind of love. And it's so simple and so counterintuitive. It's so not the, the way kind of we normally think. It's, it's a real paradigm shift to the way we look at relationships and the way culture looks at relationships. It's really kind of readjusting north on our relationship compass. But it's so simple that when I say it, you're going to go, well, well, yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. But, but again, don't take my word for it. Just, just find those couples in your life where you look at their marriage and you go, that's what I want to have when I'm that age. I want to be in love like that when I'm that age. That's what I want going on in my relationship. Because if you go and find couples like that, here's what you're going to find. It's so simple, but it's also so available. That if two people will simply accept this really basic, simple teaching from Jesus, and it's found in John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. But, but here's what Jesus says. It's really, he really wraps it up in like one verse. He, he gets his guys together, he gets his disciples together, and he starts off in this verse, and it's so profound, and he says this. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. In other words, guys, you've heard the Ten Commandments from Moses, and now we've expanded, and you know, at the time there was about 700 other commands that had expanded off of the Ten Commandments to kind of support them that was in the law. But he says, hey guys, push all that aside. Today I'm going to give you a new one. And, and the Greek word for new can mean extraordinary or hidden or remarkable. And so Jesus says, I want to give you this something new, something remarkable, something that maybe you've never really understood before. And you might be unimpressed at first when you hear it, but if you really sit on it, if you really look at it, if you really examine it, ah, oh, there's a hidden truth. 
There's a remarkable truth hidden within this. And if you don't pay attention, it's going to slip by you if you're not careful. And Jesus takes this word, love one another, love. He takes this word love that we normally use in our language as a noun. And he changes it into an imperative. He turns it into a verb. He makes it a command. He says, look guys, here's the deal. I want you to go and love one another. And I, I, I know you think that love is a noun. You think it's like a swimming pool, something you fall into and you fall out of. But that's not what love is. Uh, love, love, is love is not a noun, love is a verb. It's an action. I want you to love. Which means Jesus would probably not have been a very fun marriage counselor. Because you would have gone to him and said, well, she's doing that. And he's doing this. And you would have had your complaints. And Jesus would have said, well, are you loving her? Well, are you loving him? Well, we used to be in love. And Jesus would say, no, 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 no. Don't, don't use love as a noun, love is a verb. Are you loving her? Are you actively loving him? So here's what I want, want to do. I'm going to fix your relationship, but I want you to go home and I want you to start action. I want you to start loving each other. But we're not in love anymore. No, no, no. You're confusing your nouns and your verbs. You're saying you're not feeling it. But you've got to do it. It's an action. And once you do it, then you'll start to feel it. You see, your relationship started off with feelings. And most relationships start off with feelings. And you're trying to get this feeling back. And you're thinking, the only way I'm going to get the goosebumps and the fireworks and all those feelings back is because i got to find somebody new now. Because it, it always feels that way when love is new. i got to have the feeling. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how it works. If you want to maintain it, if you want to foster it, if you want to, if you want to blow on the, on the flames of love and make them bigger and stronger over time, you need to quit treating love like a noun and you need to treat it like a verb. You need to make love a verb. The foundation for long-term love relationships, Jesus says, is making love a verb. You've got to make it an action. The goal of love relationships isn't to just recapture feelings. Because in lifelong love relationships, the feeling part is really at the back of the train. It's the caboose. It starts as the engine, but then it works its way to the back of the train. It becomes the caboose. And, and I'll tell you something that I, I won't tell anybody else because most of the women are away at, at women's retreat. So my guys are in here this morning, right, men? Men, you're here? Okay, so I'm going to give this secret to you men, married men. Raise your hand for a minute. Where am I? I got to see you where you're at. Okay, married men. So you pay attention. This is directed at you guys, okay? Can you guys keep a secret? Nod your head. Yes? Okay, you can keep a secret. All right, that's good. Don't let this leave the room, okay? The more men, the more that you make love a verb with your spouse, the more you'll make love. That's all I'm saying, okay? You didn't hear it from me, okay? But here's what Jesus says. He says, I want you to learn how to actively love one another. Love is something you do. It's an action. 
It rekindles the flame. It keeps the flames of romance alive and burning and vibrant year to year, decade to decade. But you actually have to do something. You have to take action. You have to love one another. It's a command. It's an action. It's a verb. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. Then he adds another part to the rest of this verse, John 13, 34, and he says this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In other words, he says, I want you to stop taking your cues about what love is from culture. I don't want you to take your cues about love from your parents and what you saw in their relationship, especially if it was a dysfunctional relationship. I mean, they may have pushed through and they may have survived, but if you look at their relationship now after the kids left the home, dad moved upstairs and they now have two kitchens and they live in the same house, but he'd rather go on vacation with the dog than your mother. Don't take your cue from that relationship. They're together, but that's not what you want later in life. So, so maybe you don't need to take your cues from your parents of what it means to love one another. Jesus says, no, I want you to take your cues from me when it comes to what love is. He says, if you allow me to, I'm going to teach you how to love, not how to be in love. Because falling in love is easy. Again, falling in love just requires a what? A pulse. But staying in love requires a what? A plan. And so Jesus says, I want to teach you I want to give you a plan for how to stay in love for a lifetime. But it's going to happen only if you start to change your view of love from being a noun to being a verb because it requires action. And then years later, the apostle Paul comes along and he takes this very same idea, the very same teaching that Jesus had, but he just presents it in a different way. But he uses a word that's a bad word at least for our culture. He uses a word that we don't like. But the apostle Paul takes the same idea. Don't miss it. It's the same idea. Jesus said he just uses a different word other than love, and it's a word that's a little bit harder to swallow. It's a word that has a little bit more bite. It's a a word that's like, when you hear it, you're going to be like, whoa, Paul, I'm not so sure about that. But I'm telling you guys, it's the very same exact thing that Jesus said in John 13, 34. And and here's what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 21. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ for Christ. Do you know what that means? Same as love one another, except it's got a little sting on the end of it. And here's what it means. Paul then begins talking to men and women about their relationships. He starts unpacking husbands and wives. And this passage has often been twisted and misused. So men especially pay attention. This passage in scripture has been horribly twisted at times in preaching, and I don't want to do that with you guys today, because I want you guys to really understand what he's talking about. It's been twisted to try to control women. But men, you got to understand that's not what Paul is communicating here. And if, if you've heard that, it's false teaching. That's not in line with what Jesus taught about love, or what Paul was saying in the entire context 
of this passage. Paul is saying with this word submit, with this word submission, he's saying the bottom line, the foundational block for people who are going to stay in love forever is mutual submission between husbands and wives. Mutual submission. Mutual submission means both partners are living out love, not as a noun, but as a what? As a verb, as an action. Husband and wife are both living out love as an action towards one another. They're saying to one another, in our relationship, husband, you're the priority, I submit to you. No, 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 wife. In our relationship, you're the priority. I would lay down my life for you. No, you first. 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 In other words, the biggest conflict in your relationship is going to be who's best at putting the other person first. That's mutual submission. And, and let me just tell you, I don't know if any of you have ever seen that play out in a marriage relationship. I don't know if you've ever seen that visually between two people in love before, but when you see it, it is so rare and it is so beautiful and it is so powerful and you'll see it and you'll say, I want that. That's the kind of love that I want to have. It is so rare. It's scary good. I want to have that. But it's also scary. And do you know why it's scary? Because somebody has to make the decision to go first in the relationship. Somebody has to say, you know what? I'm going to make you the priority in our relationship, even if you don't choose to make me the priority. I'm choosing to make you the priority. Somebody has to start. But when two people get mutual submission going back and forth, I'm telling you, love is alive and well and passion that flame is alive and well in that relationship. And it's so rare that few of us have probably really ever seen it. But when you do, you go, that's what I want. That's the kind of love that I want. And so Paul says, this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, make love a verb, make love an action. He's talking about submission. He's talking about this idea of mutual submission. You first, no, you first, no, you first, no, you first. That that's the foundation for achieving real love that's going to last for a lifetime into eternity. Making love an action, a verb. And it's a choice you make. It's literally a decision. You wake up every day and you say, I'm going to choose to place myself under you. And as you choose to place yourself under me and I choose to place myself under you, we're just going to love each other like a verb. And you might say, well, well AJ, that doesn't make any sense. And I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially in our world, right? especially in our culture that says follow your heart and do what makes you happy and if you're not happy get out of the relationship because it's all about you and it's all about you being happy but let me tell you when you see love in action when you see mutual submission when you experience it you'll understand that Jesus was right and that this is really the foundation for staying in love love submit to one another. And don't forget, there's a caveat. 
Love, Jesus says, as what? As I have loved you. In other words, Jesus says, I want you to learn to love. I want you to learn how to submit by modeling me. So going back to the movie Juno and the big question asked in it, we'll put it up on the screens again. Is it even possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? To that, Jesus and Paul would say, absolutely. Absolutely. But it doesn't happen because you fell in love in a big, romantic, powerful way and you got a bunch of goosebumps at the start of the relationship. I mean, that's cool and all. That's great. We all love that. That's awesome when that happens. But that stuff can easily fade over time. You stay in love by making love a verb, by loving one another through mutual submission, and by taking your cue for how to do that from Jesus, the one who loved you so much that he willingly gave his life on the cross for you. And when you understand that, when you start living out that kind of a love relationship with another person, with your spouse, with your kids, whoever it might be, when you start loving somebody as an action, as a verb, it's possible to have a love that lasts forever. I, I tell Julie all the time, I I'd marry you again in a heartbeat, I would just want to do it quicker. And she reminds me how young we were when we got married and that we would probably be committing a crime if we had gotten married any earlier. But my point is, to answer the question from Juno, the answer is yes. Not because love is a Disney fairy tale and you pick the magic one. No, it's because once you choose somebody, you also allow yourself and you choose to fall in love with them and to stay in love with them by making love an action, by making it a verb. And you follow the example of Christ. You choose every single day, even when it's tough, even when it's hard, to love that person because you understand that love is not a noun. It's a verb. And that's a lot of different than, I need you, baby. I love you, baby. I got to have you. I mean, that's fun. That's good for songs and movies. That's falling in love. Falling in love can be great. But again, falling in love is easy. It just requires a what? Pulse. Staying in love is harder because it requires a, a plan. But with the wisdom and strength of God, we can have a love. We can experience a love that will last a lifetime. Can we pray together? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for in the most dramatic way possible, illustrating and, and demonstrating your love for us through your son, Jesus. God, that he was willing to, to come and submit himself, humble himself. And he was willing to, to lay down his life to bear the weight of all of our sins upon himself, to die on a cross, to pay the price for all of our sins. Because he loves us. Because he didn't want us to be lost and separated from you. 
but he wanted us to have a love relationship, a personal love relationship with you, the God of the universe, forever. God, thank you for Jesus. Please continue to teach us what it means to take our cues about love from you. Father, for the, the person here who's just hanging on by a thread in a relationship, Father, would you please honor their faith today? Would you honor their desire to make it work even when it seems like things are lost? Heavenly Father, for the person who's single here today, Lord, would you give them hope for the future and for the plans that you have for them? For the parent here today who's worried about relationships with children, Father, may you remind them of how to make love an action in their relationship with their kids. Heavenly Father, for, for those here today and their spouse, the one they love is not here. Would you give them the wisdom to know what to do with what they've heard, but also the courage to make whatever changes they need to. God, I pray that your teaching on love would penetrate our hearts and it would revolutionize the way the people in our church community, First Light South Portland Church, that it would change the way that we would view each other and the way that we would view our relationships. God, we know we can't do this without you. So we plead today that you would intervene on our behalf, Father God, as we do the best we can to learn from your son Jesus and to follow his example. We love you, Lord God. And we pray all these things today in the powerful name of your son, in Jesus' name. worship team gets ready to, to close us, I, I want to encourage you to, to let's stand together and let's just worship and, and celebrate our God, the God who modeled for us love and action. And if you need some time to pray, to work some things through, if you're dealing with some difficulties in relationships, I mean, these altars are open to you as always. You're welcome to come and pray. But let's sing and celebrate the God of love. You give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken and great are you lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only you give life you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give you restore every heart that is broken and great are you lord and great are you lord it's your breath 
It's your breath in our lungs, in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you all. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Heavenly Father, I pray blessings upon these, your people today, Lord God. As always, we pray that you would give us, Lord, the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today from this powerful teaching from your son, Jesus, and the Apostle Paul. But Lord God, may we not just hear words, but Father, as you taught us today, may we put things into action. May we look at the relationships in our lives, relationships with, with parents, with kids, with the spouse, Father God, and may we start to, to make love an action, to make it a verb. And may we start to, to look at the model for how to do that in your son Jesus and how he loved us. Father, I pray that the decisions made today and some course corrections made today on how to love better would have just a lasting impact in the weeks and months and years to come that it would transform families, that it would transform relationships, that it would transform even, even the culture of our church community, Father God. Lord, we love you. We lay this at your feet today, Father God. We pray that you would use our lives as living sacrifices, helping us to love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a couple quick announcements I want to share with you guys. Um, Really quickly, number one, somebody lost some keys in the foyer this morning, so come see me at the end. If these are yours, you will not be able to drive home, so come see me so we can help you. And then I, I got some exciting news for you. Um, I told you we were ending the At The Movie series today. We are starting a brand new series next Sunday, and it's something we really haven't tried before, but I'm really excited about it. Um, how many of you like, like movies like The Lion King? Can I see a show of hands? Things like that, a lot of you guys. The cool thing about The Lion King and stuff like that is you could be three or 93, and you can really enjoy it, right? So what we're gonna do for the next couple weeks is we're doing a series called Back to School, uh, Remarkable Tales of the Bright and the Brainless. And we're gonna look at some teaching from Jesus on wise and foolish people, and we're gonna kinda look at the topic of wisdom in our lives, but we're gonna do it a little bit differently because Lighthouse Kids, our children's ministry, and Fuse, our student ministry, they're gonna be taking over the service for this series. So we're gonna see all of our kids and their leaders taking part. We're gonna have some fun music. We're gonna have some multimedia. We're gonna have some games. And it's really gonna be a family theater kind of service experience. And again, whether you're three years old or you're 93, we think you're gonna have a blast and we think you're gonna learn some powerful truth in your lives through our next series. Here's a promo of Back to School.
So next week, our new series, Back to School. If you've got kids in your life, grandkids, um, kids, neighbor kids, any kind of kids, you might want to invite them. This might be a great time for you to invite them to come out. It's going to be an absolute blast. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great week and can't wait to see you back next Sunday with Back to School. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise